I know Sean said about welcome back IUP students. Love having you here. So this is for, for kids or anybody who maybe, like me, has trouble paying attention. So there's a little outline. You can, you can just fill it out. Well, if you have a Bible, turn to 1 John. This helps if it's not upside down. Or a phone, just pull it up. 1 John, small little letter in the back of your Bible. Well, today we are starting a new sermon series on 1 John, which is why we turned there. <laughs> it's how sharp, did you follow that logic? You got that? Good. So we're going to study 1 John and we're actually going to read 1 John. Before we do all that, let me pray and then we'll, we'll jump in. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for this particular letter and all that we can learn about you from this letter um, from this, this man who was devoted to you for decades. And we pray that it would have an, a transforming effect on all of our lives. We ask this in your name. Amen. So, 1 John, if you've never read 1 John, uh, we are going to be going through 1 John from now really up until early December when we start Christmas messages. So we're going to take our time. We're going to go slowly through it. It is technically a letter in your Bible. It may say the first letter of John, but it doesn't actually read like a letter in the same way that the Apostle Paul's letters read. They don't, it doesn't really have a greeting. He just kind of gets started. He's not like the Apostle Paul where he would argue in a, a very linear, logical, systematic way. Um, he's more circular, so he's going to pick a topic, then he's going to leave the topic, and then he's going to pick up the topic again from a little different angle. So, Raise your hand if you've ever been in a lighthouse. Okay, so a lot of us have been in lighthouses. And so a lighthouse has a spiral staircase that goes up. So when you go up a lighthouse, and if it has windows um, throughout, you can look out the window and you can see the same thing. So let's say it's a tree or a bird. You see the same tree or bird as you go around the spiral. But you're looking at the tree or the bird from a different angle. So at first you're looking up see it from underneath. Um, by the end, you're looking down on it. That's kind of how uh, John writes this letter of 1 John. So you'll, you'll hear themes, and we'll go through things, um, but we're going to see them from different angles. So if you have time this week, it'd be great to spend some time reading the whole letter of 1 John. So I know we have a lot of kids in the room today, so we are going to first get out our magnifying glass, we're going to be detectives. And so whenever you read a book, it's good to ask questions about the book. So we're going to look for some clues and for some details. That was my magnifying glass that's in my mind that <laughs> probably doesn't come through. That's what I'm holding. I asked my family if we had one, and we don't have one. So all you got is this. Picture a magnifying glass. We, we got our detective clothing on, and now we're going to ask some questions. So first question is, who wrote the letter? And what do we know about him? Uh, so that's a good question. The, the answer to that question is the Apostle John wrote the letter. He also wrote uh, the book, the Gospel of 1 John. He wrote the book of Revelation. And he wrote 1, 2nd, and 3rd John. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that John was actually one of Jesus' closest friends. So often in the Gospels, he'll be grouped with Peter, his brother James, and John. I'll say Peter, James, and John. And so he was very close, relationally, 
good friends, dear friend of Jesus himself. So much of a close friend that when Jesus was being crucified, he spoke to John and asked John to care for his mother Mary after Jesus would die, rise from the grave, and ascend to heaven. So he was a really, really, really close friend. At the time that he's writing this, he was most likely the only original apostle that was still alive. So he wrote this letter probably around 85 to 95 A.D., approximately 50 to 60 years after uh, Jesus had died, rose from the grave, and ascended to heaven. So he is the last remaining apostle, most likely. And while he's writing, he would have had all the respect because he was one of the originals who had been with Jesus himself, knew him well. So we want to hear from a man like this. We want to hear what he has to say through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If you care about details, he most likely wrote this letter from the city of Ephesus where the book of Ephesians was written to. That would have been his ministry base later in life. And it's good to know, why did he write this letter? Well, unlike some letters, it doesn't have one just clear purpose. It has several main purposes. So the the letter was written for for several different reasons. Uh, The one was to strengthen the belief and truth that Jesus was an actual man who was fully God, but he actually was a physical being. He wasn't a spirit. He was a real human being who came to earth. It was also written to help people really know, assured, be assured of God's love for them. So not just become a Christian, but for Christians that you could know on your deepest level that God really does love you. You really do have eternal life. He is really for you. He also wrote to, and we're going to see this as we go through the letter, to combat some false teachers that were circulating in their day and age. Teachers that were raising questions about the person of Jesus, who he was, who he truly was, what he accomplished. Uh, False teachers saying, well, you can can say you're a Christian and just kind of live however you want. doesn't matter what you do. So he's going to address all those subjects throughout this letter. Um, It was also written to encourage Christians to walk in the light of God and His Word and be obedient to Him and to really um, understand how much God the Father truly loves us and how that love should change how we relate to one another. So that's in a church context, that's in our, our society, that's at school, that's at work. So super relevant for us. So that's kind of in summary, some background information. We're going to get more into the details as the weeks go on, but wanted you to, to start there. So now what I want you to do is imagine the Apostle John writing this letter with great love and affection for the Lord Jesus himself and for the people. So look at verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, 
which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. So we heard it. We saw him. We actually touched him physically. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it and proclaim to you eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So we're going to dive into this introduction this morning with some really simple points. Kids, if you're taking notes, point number one, God came to earth. God came to earth. Merry Christmas. God came to earth. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, Jesus coming to earth. Now listen to this again, verse one, and notice how tactile, how how sense-oriented this description of Jesus is from his dear friend. That which was from the beginning. Now when he says the word beginning there, he's not talking about the first day he met Jesus. He's not talking about the first day Jesus began his ministry. When he's talking about the beginning, he's talking about the beginning. The beginning of time. Before there was anything. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. We've heard him teach. We've heard him talk. We've heard him express his concerns and cares and love for others, which we have seen with our eyes. See, John would have seen Jesus day after day, week after week, year after year with his own eyes. Not only would he have seen him during his ministry, not only would he have been there when he was crucified as a substitute for sin, but he would have seen him after he rose from the grave. He would have seen the risen Christ. He would have touched him. He would have seen the the scars in his hand. He he, He is testifying, he is witnessing that it really, really, really happened which we have looked upon, we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. See, Jesus was fully human, but he was far more than the average man. He was completely perfect in every way. And he was fully God. He was the only one that could solve the problem of sin before a holy God. Only Jesus could do it. I want you to consider these words that John wrote in his gospel. See, the opening of the letter reads very, uh, very similar way to the opening of his gospel that he also wrote. This is what he writes. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. In him was life. He was the life giver. And life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This one, this Jesus, 
was life itself, spiritual life itself, and light itself. See, we need light and life from Jesus. He possesses it in and of himself. And then John wrote this on verse 14. He defines who the Word is. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the Word who became flesh. He left heaven and became not just a man, but a baby. He humbled himself and was dependent on humans, a mom and a dad. And he grew up. And as he grew up, unlike you and I, he didn't do anything wrong ever. Like, ever. Imagine being a 5 to 10 year old and never hitting your brother or sister, never lying, never taking too much food, never uh, just being centered around yourself, being perfect. Now, I've always thought it'd be really hard to be his brother or sister. Because you'd think like, you try to tell your mom, well, Jesus did it. He did it. I didn't do it. Well, kids, Jesus is perfect. He didn't do it. It just wouldn't seem fair. But Jesus was absolutely perfect, completely unique. And it's significant to me that John is writing this probably approximately 50 years since he last saw Jesus. And look at verse 1 again. He's writing with great description. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, you can imagine, he's probably thinking of very specific phrases that Jesus had said. We have heard. We have seen. He has snapshots in his mind of things Jesus has done. Kind acts. Miracles that Jesus performed. Which we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. See, they would, have, they would have been in ministry with him, but they would have had many meals, many early morning and late night talks. He wants the world, he wants the recipients to know, to know this Jesus really came to earth. He wants you and I to know that this Jesus is not just a, a made-up figure in history. He is fully God who really and truly came to earth. And for all who look to Him, no matter who you are, as we heard this morning, whether you are down and out and your life is just a wreck, Jesus can bring salvation and eternal life and transform you and change you from the inside out. Or if your life is really, really successful, so successful that you rarely think about any needs, let alone your spiritual needs. Jesus Christ alone is the answer for both groups and everyone and anyone in between. See, here's the thing we see, and this is point two, kids. God came to earth offering eternal life to all who receive Him. God came to earth offering eternal life to all, to everyone who would look to him. See, this is why John the Apostle, he wants everyone to know. He wants those who already know Jesus to be secure in that and assured of that. And he wants them to tell others. So, 
Look at verse 2. The life was made manifest. Jesus, from the beginning of time, came to earth. His life was made manifest. We have seen it. He says it again. And testify to it. And proclaim it to you, the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. In other words, this, this Jesus is light and life. He came. And all who trust in Him, all who believe that He lived a perfect life and died in our place for our sin as our substitute and rose from the grave. If you really believe that, you really trust in Him, you have eternal life. You have eternal life. You have a relationship with the Lord that begins at that moment and will last into all eternity. But the thing is, in in John's day, in our, our day, there were people that just did not believe it. They didn't believe it. So let me just use a, a silly um, example and illustration. Somebody tell me what is happening right down the street today and for the entire week. The fair. How do you know that? I don't believe you. How do you actually know that the fair is happening down the street today? could smell it (laughs) and it smells good right (laughs) that's the main reason i go to the fair some of you go for other reasons i i like the food uh so you can smell it how else do you know that a fair is happening you can see it if you drove in hospital road today or yesterday you see it people have come and and you can see it with your eyes some of you after church today from the smell may be drawn to go there And you will experience it. So you see it. You hear about it. Now we live in a different day and age than the Bible. We can see all about it on social media. Uh, The Indian Affairs really upped their social media game this year. And so you get to see all kinds of things if you follow them on social media. And so there are many, 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 many people in our county that actually saw it and believe it and have spoken about it. Well, that's a silly example, but that's basically what John is saying. I have seen it. I've seen him. I've experienced him. I am an eyewitness. It is absolutely true. It is absolutely real. And here's the good news. Anyone and everyone who trusts in him will receive this gift of salvation. When we believe in him and we turn from our sins and from trusting in our own perceive goodness, and put our faith in Jesus. Listen to what John wrote in his Gospel of John. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, but of the will of man, but of God. The moment God's Spirit comes inside of you, you are made alive. You trust in Jesus. You turn from your sins. And then you are adopted permanently into His family as sons and daughters. It's not just that your legal record is cleared. That happens. It's not just that Jesus' perfect record is credited to you. That happens also. But you are actually brought into the family. You are a joint heir with Jesus Himself. His inheritance is your inheritance. 
All of that happens because this Jesus came to earth. And John wants us to know that. He wants us to be so assured of that. If we take a peek ahead in the letter, we get, we get John's purpose statement of the letter in 1 John 5.13. Like I said, he doesn't write in a traditional fashion, so he kind of throws it in the back. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. I write to you, we could say, I write to you Christians, those who have trust in Jesus. I write to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. I write to you so that you can be sure and assured of God's specific love for you. I write to you so that as pressures come from internal desires and doubts and confusion and external pressures, doubts and confusion, I write to you that you may be assured. One of the prayers of this series is that every Christian would be more assured of their relationship with the Lord. Now this good news is always to be shared. Just like any kind of good news. It's to be shared. Which brings us to the third point. Kids, get your pen out. God came to earth. Let's proclaim Him to others. God came to earth. Let's proclaim Him to others. Let's do a little activity here. So, I want you, let me give you a, just a couple rules. I want you to, to shout out some famous people, don't do it yet, who are not Bible people that you would like to meet. Could be anywhere in history. Give me some famous people, let's say alive, that would be better for this example. People that are alive, anywhere in the globe, who are famous that you would like to meet. Trump. Donald Trump. <laughs> Way to start with not no controversy at all, Tim. <laughs> Donald Trump. Any others? Joe I hear a Joe Biden. Joe Ryer. <laughs> I am not famous. Uh, what about from this side? Hugh Jackman. Okay, that'd be fun. This side. Getty Lee. <laughs> Get, anybody know who Getty Lee is? Say the band they played for. Rush. Okay, so. So the point is, we all have famous people we might want to meet. And our famous people might not be the same as other famous people. But I guarantee if you met that famous person, you would tell others about that encounter right away. You may even tell total strangers about that encounter. Guess who I met? You would get, if you're on social media, you would put it on social media, you'd have a picture, you'd have a smile, you'd have a caption, and you would just tell others. Nobody would have to tell you, hey, when you meet this famous person, you should at least tell five people. Nobody would have to do that. And all these people would be fun to meet, but they're, they're, they're in no way comparable to Jesus himself. And so as we spend time with Jesus and we get to know Jesus more, a natural byproduct should be that our tongues are very loose to talk about him. So think about whoever the famous person you want to meet. 
and compare them to this list of things that Jesus was able to do. We'll just start with the big one. Prior to coming to earth, everything that was made was made through him. Every single thing in creation was made through Jesus. Every single thing. So when you go to the fair, look, just like pick an animal. Made through Jesus. As you go outside tonight after it gets dark, if there's no clouds in the sky, every star hand-placed by Jesus. Every bird, every flower, every river, every mountain, everything made by Jesus. Now here's a couple of things Jesus could do while he was on earth. He walked on water. He just walked on water as God himself, he could just walk across water. Imagine if you were fishing and you saw a guy just walk across water. You would tell everybody. It's a small thing for Jesus. Jesus could look at Ida. Ida is the tropical storm in Louisiana, coming in Louisiana right now, and can just speak to that storm and make that storm disappear. In an instant. Total authority total power nobody can do that jesus could speak to demons and they would have to listen to him not only would they listen to him but they were afraid of him they knew who he was and they knew they had to bow down to him jesus healed all kinds of people while he was on earth, we have this great account of the paralyzed man who couldn't, couldn't walk and is being lowered into a room because the crowd is so big. And he, he catches eye contact with Jesus. And Jesus heals him and forgives his sins. Nobody in the world can do that. Jesus gives sight to the blind. The physically blind and the spiritually blind. Jesus would move in towards people with leprosy, with a contagious skin disease that often resulted in death. But prior to death, resulted in complete social isolation from friends, family members, all loved ones. And when Jesus would come upon lepers or they would come to him, he would move towards them. He would actually touch them. And by touching them, according to the Old Testament, he was was becoming unclean. But rather than becoming unclean, when he touched them, they became clean. Only Jesus can do that. Jesus would have dinner with both the worst of society and the best of society. He could travel in every single social circle. And he could deal with the guilt and shame of all the sins in whatever strata of society he was engaging. And that's just a little tiny bit of some of the things that Jesus has done. Now John, when he's writing this letter, this is the same John that ends the Gospel of John with this sentence, look at John 21, verse 25. 
in light of what I just talked about. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. There are a lot more things that Jesus did than we have in the Bible. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Did you catch that? There's a lot more that Jesus did while He lived on earth. And if it was all written about, there's not enough room in the whole world for the books. I was thinking about this this morning. Just think about how many books we could stuff in this room if we, if we just stacked them from floor to ceiling. We could get thousands and thousands of books. John's saying there are so many things that Jesus has done that the whole world couldn't contain it if they were written out. That's the Jesus who loves you, who came for you, who John wants us to get to know in a much closer and greater way. See, this brings us to the the final point. So get your pens out, kids. God came to earth opening the way for a relationship with him and one another. God came to earth and he cracked open the way for us to have a relationship with him. Look at verses 3 and 4. We get sight and sound again. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. We're going to speak about it. So that you may too have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy might be complete. See, becoming a Christian is way, way, way different than just knowing facts about Jesus. It's way different. See, when you put your absolute trust in Jesus, you begin a relationship with Him. That's what that word fellowship means. You're sharing a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. It's an intimate close relationship that changes everything and and over time you will experience this transformation from the inside out but it all is about this relationship this vertical relationship that you have with the maker of heaven and earth see god created us as his image bearers to know him and to have a relationship And then sin entered the world. It severed the relationship. Then Jesus entered the world and He restored the relationship to all who look to Him. But this vertical relationship allows for a horizontal relationship with anyone and everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. Anyone and everyone. That is the common ground for all Christians. No matter what kind of denomination or non-denomination, no matter what their specific or personal views of politics are or uh, what to do with COVID or what to do now with, with COVID as it resurges, all the things that divide our culture should not divide us as Christians. 
if we are solid on this vertical relationship, which then gives us this horizontal relationship that is completely unique, that we share eternal life, and therefore we are to love our brothers and sisters. And we're to work out disagreements, and we're to talk through things that are of eternal significance, and then things that we are free to have a variety of perspectives and opinions of. But it all has to do with this person of Jesus that we trust in and that we love. And as we're going to learn in 1 John, the only reason you love Jesus if you love him is because he loved you first. Because he poured out his love on you first. And this is why John can write in verse 4, and we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So that his joy and the recipient's joy would be complete. That our joy as Christians would be complete. So I know a lot of us maybe at times just want to have that private relationship with the Lord. But we don't, we're doing great with Jesus. We just don't like people. We just don't like people. We don't like how they act. We don't like what they do. We just don't have that option as Christians. When you were saved, you were brought into a very, very, very large family. And it, it's God's will, and it's, it's actually for your joy that you learn to love your family members of all different stripes. See, only Jesus makes that possible. But this joy is really a theme of the letter. So when we talk about walking in the light and walking openly before the Lord and confessing our sins and turning from them and experiencing forgiveness and working out how to love and, and, and work out disagreements with others. All of that, as we become more freed by the Holy Spirit, will produce more joy in our lives as Christians. So a subtitle of this whole series could be For Your Joy. That you, as you continue to grow as a Christian, as I continue to grow as a Christian, as we continue to grow together as brothers and sisters, we will experience more joy in Jesus. That's why he concludes the the opening with, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. You will be more joyful if those times of nagging doubt of God's love for you if they become less and less. You will be more joyful if you don't have hidden pockets of your life that you keep from others. You will be more joyful if rather than just growing bitter about a relationship situation, you learn to work through it and forgive and receive forgiveness from a fellow Christian. You will be much more joyful. So I want to conclude this by just reading the opening four verses one more time. So let's stand, have the band come up as I read, and then we'll sing a final song. Verse 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, And we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. 
that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this specific part of your word. Holy Spirit, would you fill our hearts and minds with the affection of Christ Jesus for one another? And may the foundation of that be just a greater awareness of how much you love and care for us right now at this present moment. And would you fill our hearts with worship and praise to you? We ask all this in your name. Amen.